This bit is, is probably the funniest thing I've done all week. I hate you so much. Oh, God. I already know now that this right here is the beginning of the episode. <laughs> Just say the, say the line. Say the opening line. Welcome, my friends. <laughs> my friends. Oh, man. Oh, man. <laughs> I can't do it. You can't because it's a very precise spot in your mouth. You don't necessarily leave your tone. It's just mostly about how you say your S's and your T's. I hate it. I love it. I'm going to have to sanitize the shit out of this mic. (laughs) (laughs) There's that explicit rating on the episode today because I said shit twice. Hello, my friends. Hello, my friends. Welcome back to Cellmates, episode number eight. Uh, Eight. Wow. Yep. The whole episode's made up and the points don't matter. <laughs> Hello, I am Drew last name. Carrie. Drew Carrie. You're definitely the Wayne of of the show. Am I Wayne Brady? You're Wayne Brady, for sure. Does that mean I first stay sure. on the one show forever and everyone else revolves around me? Yeah, and then just go host the prices right when you're like fifty five. Dude. Go away really on the prices. Have you seen this video? This is I'm stealing. This is basically just what TMG did on an episode of their podcast. But there's a clip of Wayne Brady's The Price is Right where this <laughs> <laughs> It's naturally part of my tone now. This is good. I never had braces, so now this is part of my personality. Um, braces are a personality. Braces are a personality trait. Um, <laughs> no, like this couple gets up and Wayne's like, "How long have you guys been together?" And the guy goes, six months." And she goes, "We're just friends." Damn, uh, uh, <laughs> it's so uh, painful. And then he's like, "Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, but like we're like together, like we're close, and and we're and he's like trying to salvage it." And then she's like, no, 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 we're, we're just really good friends. And then she looks around at the crowd and goes, I'm single, guys. I'm single. And you can see the life just draining out of this dude's face. Oh, no. And then he goes like, can we, can we talk about this later? And, and Wayne's just kind of sitting there watching it happen. And then she just has this <laughs> laugh going on where she just, it's the most annoying, shrill, like, uh-huh, I'm single. <laughs> and then, and then he just goes, so she like is going like no I'm single we're we're cl- oh oh no we're we're not no and she like is trying she's just yeah and then he just goes what <laughs> just, just- and then Wayne's like so you'll see over here behind door one and he just I, I, being in TV I can imagine being that producer in the control room just like watching letting it. It, letting it go and then they're like okay he just he just got emotionally castrated on live television. Wayne, just Wayne, just, just go. go. Just go. <laughs> All right, over here we have. <laughs> yeah, dude. That's ridiculous. Wayne Brady. Shout out to Wayne Brady. Shout out Wayne Brady. I love the... Whose line is it anyway? Yeah. I grew up watching that show with my dad. Mint. I watched that episode with my parents a little bit until they had a joke about a pornography character and I was 11. Uh-oh. And I literally had to talk with my dad like maybe six months later. But I looked at my dad... And I go, what's pornography? And they go, you should now go play with Legos. And I went, Lego time. So, uh, okay, for sure. I'm not. The show is still hilarious, though. That's, oh, yeah. that's my first inter- like memory of the show, which is a little unfortunate, but I went back and just watched a ton of stuff on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's so good. My favorite ones, this might be where part of my personal bias comes from, but <laughs> one of my favorite sketches they do is the nightly news where they have Wayne on sports doing some crazy stuff. Mm, they mm-hmm, have mm-hmm. Uh, Colin on weather doing even crazier stuff. Oh, no, not Colin. Ryan. Ryan. They have yeah. Ryan on, on weather. And then Colin always opens up with some absurd opener. Yep. And it's always funny. My favorite one is uh, 
oh no, I'm gonna I'm not gonna quote it right, but something to the effect of uh police are investigating a very odd case of uh animal slaughter after they found a after they found a man st- struck to death in the middle of a rice field with two porcelain figures. Police say this is their first recorded situation of a knickknack paddywhack. <laughs> Remember that, yeah. And we were watching it with Farhad last time I saw that, that sketch. I we're watching it a, a bunch of us in our apartment, and then Farhad, who has not grown up in the states and is a very, very capable English speaker. But oh, absolutely. The idioms and the wordplay that happens on whose line is lost on him. Yeah. And so you, me, Kira, Alex, and Matt are all dying, and then Farhad's just like, "I don't get it, bro. I don't understand." That's not actually how he talks. That's just our meme Farhad tone that we use. And so we're like, oh, it's because, and the more you explain the joke, the less funny it gets. Like, you just have to get what they're doing. Yeah. Yeah. Knickknack, rice patty. Knickknack is the porcelain figures. Rice patty, whack. 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 Putting out a hit. Today, uh, on Cellmates, wanted to do a little bit of a cool segment talking about how we as human beings, as believers, as brothers in Christ, relate to alcohol. Um, this was spurred on just kind of throwing out ideas. Um, well, we, as you've noticed, probably we have two types of podcasts. Yeah. Ethoses, ethoses. Um, one, some of our just like updates and talking processing about things. And then other ones are like more topic oriented. Mm -hmm. And so the last one we did, which I actually haven't listened to all the way through yet. I listened to slices of it. It's cute. It, I mean, I liked the bit I heard. I sound so tired in that. <laughs> I sound so exhausted. And I'm, I'm like, wow. But I love the description. It was like, thanks for continuing to check in on these tired little dorks. And I'm like, that is the best, the best description for this episode because <laughs> we recorded so early. Anyway, um, that kind of, I like that episode. Yeah. But my favorite episode we've done is episode six. Yes. With Orle. With Orla's question about politics. And so we actually kind of bring our whole positions and our whole mm-hmm. everything to bear on an issue that is not very easy. Now, I personally feel that alcohol is a little easier to relate to and talk about with not as a whole much ton of nuance as like politics. Because one of them, there's a, a decent joke here if you're able to make it right. But one of them, <laughs> one of them determines all of how American society functions. And the, the other, other one's, one's politics. politics. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely. Oh, I'm so glad that came together the way it did. That's so stupid. No, but for real, <laughs> politics is a, a huge thing that affects literally everybody in yes. America. Yeah, and yeah, it's yeah. very nuanced. And I think there are a lot of right answers on both sides. There's a lot of wrong answers on both sides. If you want to hear more of that, and this is the first time you're listening to us, or you just haven't heard that episode, go listen to it. My personal favorite episode so yeah. far. All this to say... That this episode, hopefully, Lord willing, will be a lot more topic focused yeah. than just touch and base debrief. Sure. Type beat. So, who wants to go first? Talk about your relationship to alcohol or mine? I don't really care. Okay. I, uh, I'm going to be a little honest on the pod real quick. I carry like 10% self consciousness about talking too much. Okay. So, <laughs> I'm willing to let you go because I don't really care. Okay. I, re- I really don't care. No, and yeah, that's that's fine. Dude, I, I don't. That. I said I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. You don't care. Leave me, I. Is that is that what you're saying? So my relation. 
No, please, please, yep. brother, go ahead. Are you sure? Are you positive? You're alone on this one. <laughs> this is all you. Um. So, yeah, my relationship with alcohol, as I have become self-aware of it, does start with my parents. Um, as well for me. Right. I think... Everybody's relationship with alcohol. Probably. It, it, in some degree. I mean, it's alcoholism like is like very gene-driven as much as it is behavior-driven. Yeah. I think it's... I don't want to offshoot too hard on this, but this sure. is actually kind of interesting. Like the concept of nature versus nurture mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how much of something is nature versus nurture. It, it turns into a chicken or the egg conversation pretty quickly. Sure. But like with my friend and brother in Christ, Michael Grizz Grazy, mm-hmm. you know, are incredibly similar once we got to know each other, we realized our similarities because when we were first talking, it was just those kind of outer most facade layers of being threes. Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. And the natural parts of ourselves that we were rocking, we were very different. Yeah. But then we realized, and the joke now is that it was the same nature more or less, but he was nurtured in the woods and I was natured in the city. Okay. Yeah. And so that influences our differences in mannerisms and stuff, mm-hmm. but our core engines of how we operate are different. Now, this nature nurture thing is to say that while my parents nurtured, I guess, my relationship with alcohol while I was under their roof, right? it changed a ton when I got to college. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and <laughs> yeah, Caleb, you go first. You go, you <laughs> no, go ahead, bro. I, I appreciate that word because it, it, is a good under, it is a good reminder of the framework that this... I don't want to say should as if I know correct all the time. I don't just because I have a degree. But (laughs) I think one should strongly consider their parents when looking at any aspect of oneself. Their life really at all. Yeah. Like my relationship to alcohol, my relationship to even driving, my relationship to faith. Beyond the point. So my mother... um, Filipinos drink a lot and all my mother's brothers and a few of her sisters, I think, served in the U.S. military at least. Right. And among other things like, and so her brothers were in the Navy, so they were on boats. And what do you do on a boat? But drink. (laughs) Drink and puke from seasickness or drink. Uh, I remember I was talking to my uncle last time I saw him. Ronnie and I never really interact with him because I anytime I've seen Ronald I was like a literal bab and didn't know how to interact with my extended family yeah <laughs> and I'm like tell me some stories when you were in the military he's like it was a hard time man yeah <laughs> yeah like there are there were some people in there and we we're talking about alcohol right and he's like there are some people in there who they would get drunk and then finally when we hit land the only thing they would do was go and get more booze and then just stock up for their Time at sea. <laughs> I mean, when you don't have a lot to do, it's easy to drink. Yeah. And they would constantly be drunk. They were never not drunk. Yeah. So that type of military background, plus Filipinos drinking a lot, that's where my mom is. She does not drink. Um, I don't know when she came to that decision. That's just how she has always been in my mind. Uh, and my dad is first and foremost... A wonderful man of God. Absolutely. A very strong prayer warrior. He has so much faith, 
so much of my faith is modeled after Michael Eugene Cobb. Yeah, this is something that I said yesterday. We I loved our conversation yesterday because it was basically just a pre-podcast. It was pretty tight. Good. Um, I said this to you yesterday. I'm saying this to you now, and I'm saying this to the audience that as we discuss our parents' pasts and our past with alcohol, right, right, that, um, like. None of this is to cast, hopefully, ourselves, nor our parents, nor anybody else we really bring up here in a light that they have outgrown and that that has Mm. been redeemed about them. Absolutely. So as you discuss your parents and as I discuss mine, Mm -hmm. there may be things that are not as seemly as they would want or we would want. Right. So there's discretion (laughs) that we will exercise. But I want to be clear that I love all these people that we're talking about. Yeah significantly and that this is not how they are now i guess just more so that like we are speaking on previous time they are more redeemed people yeah now yeah so absolutely my father great man of god um he's a wonderful faith story that i sincerely would love to share in full maybe with him on here but um how it goes is he had difficulty with alcohol for quite a long time. He was also in the military, actually, now that I think about it. So quick FDA organic moment. I'm gonna run outside. Yeah, okay. I, I I saw saw it pull up. Getting some cables. Anyway, so my father had a very difficult time with alcohol. And I grew up, I never really saw him um in a negative state with alcohol, not in my memory, but I know it was a problem. And I know that it was a symptom or rather a numbing agent for other problems of like smoking and gambling sometimes. And now my dad is a wonderful man. I, he's not the younger, less responsible brother in Christ that he used to be. But that is to say alcoholism as much as it is nature, definitely had a strong nature and still has a strong nature in me. And so because I knew that, it came to the point where like in high school, I had a bunch of friends who would hang out and they would drink a lot. And I wouldn't. I commonly would take care of drunk people. I would commonly try to nurse them and be mother to them. I've tucked many two, two, two. I have, yes, as a two, (laughs) I have put many drunk people to bed, given them buckets, given them water. And I still do that. Actually, (laughs) I did that through college. Yeah. Whenever needed. But like through high school, I'm like, I can see you're having fun. I don't, I don't need to do that to myself. I like where I'm at in my mind. So I'm going to stay here. And that was all through high school. I was more exposed to alcohol on a regular basis in high school than I was in college, actually. And when it came time for college, my freshman year, I also strayed away. I did not drink my entire freshman year. There were a few opportunities, but I mean, you're 18. You're in the dorms was the biggest thing. Yeah. We were on campus so much and it's theoretically a dry campus. So it was a lot harder to do it. And since it wasn't in either of our behaviors... It was like, yeah, all right. Yeah. Nah. I, I didn't have a super huge opportunity to go out and drink. I didn't really want to go to any parties. I didn't know anybody who was necessarily older than me who would do that for me. Yeah, same. Yeah. So coming back summer 
from freshman year of college, uh, I was actually, I was with Mitchell. It was the very first time I ever was drunk. This was funny. Because <laughs> I look back on it after having the path of without call that I have, and I was like, wow. Yeah. What a baby little... <laughs> situation this this is this was a situation i had been in before i was at my friend's house having a little fire outside mitchell rolls up with another person excuse me and we're all just hanging out yeah and start drinking he cracked open miguel cracked open i i myself was like is that mike's heart and our friend that we were there with was like yeah and i was like He's like, yeah, dude, for sure. Go for it. So I cracked it open. I stepped in. And I was like, wow. Alcohol. That's <laughs> crazy. I saw you do that. Everyone else was doing it. Yeah. And this was the first time where I really felt tempted. And I was like, bet. Wanted yeah, to, I, I really wanted to be super casual about this. Where you failed. I went and grabbed one from the six pack. I opened it up. And I started sipping, and then David dropped his drink yeah. into the grass. And he was like, what? Oh, bro, are you sure? Are you sure? <laughs> and I was like, yo, Caleb, <laughs> I get that I'm doing it. <laughs> but, like, there are things that I'm okay with doing that you're not okay with doing. And I don't know if this is one of those things. Like, bro, are you sure? Bro, are you sure? Bro, yeah. are you sure? I'm 19. Bro, are you sure? Yeah. And you were like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was not very funny. was very nervous. Yeah, and I drank many of those. I don't even remember. I think it was actually like four or five and yeah. a half. There was a half in there somewhere because I know I gave a half to David. Yeah, I remember that. I had like three. I was a little toasty, but I was all right. I was definitely like I I can remember what happened. Yeah, I was still able to replicate full body control if I focused not super hard call that drunk call it what you would i called my friend she thought it was hilarious because she's like caleb are you drunk and i'm like kind of a little (laughs) no yeah Uh, and it was fun yeah it was a fun night it was a fun night for a lot of reasons yeah (laughs) this is reflective of my position of alcohol right 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 that if the alcohol is the fun when you're doing it wrong. Correct. But if the alcohol is just kind of there as an accessory and like it would be just as fun with Sprite, then you're probably more in the clear as far as the relationship to the situation. And so that was the first time I ever really drank and I drank enough to get myself to a compromised state. Yeah. And then coming into sophomore year of college, I wanted to drink like we lived in our own apartments now i had older friends yeah people I was who were like, turning 21 that we knew yes like left and right it's like i'm 21 now, i'm 21 now like i remember farhat turned 21 yeah august like right when we came into yeah. school and i'm yeah. like you want to get me beautiful <laughs> and so sophomore year became characterized by me getting drunk i i remember yeah mostly if not the only memories i have were at me getting drunk with people yeah and like doing things and that was extremely problematic for me as a leader in ministry i remember the first thing yeah, <laughs> i got drunk at the okay it was halloween 
and oh, this is shameful. This, this is, is a shameful time. This one's rough. I don't even think I was there for that, actually. You were not. Because there were people there that I didn't want to be around at the time. So I was at the crew Halloween party, and Dude. I had my costume. Oh, no. I remember this vividly because <laughs> I was at the crew Halloween party because I didn't want to go to the Halloween party you guys went to. Yep. And then you and the two people you were there with uh, were like, okay, we're going to go over to this place to the other party. Yeah. And I was like, okay. And then I didn't see you till the next morning, and I was like, "I feel, I think I know what, what happened. just happened." <laughs> so this actually, I think it was like the second time I was drunk with my friends. Yeah, because I was very, I was seeking it out. Yeah, I was very much on a path toward addiction. Even at that point, it was so early. Right. At the crew Halloween party, I met someone who was a freshman, and she was very great and made me want to die, and I was just so overwhelmed with emotion. And then when my other friend was like, hey, we're going to go to the house and uh, have a Halloween party, I'm like, oh, yeah. I definitely want that right now. And brought a crew freshman with us. Not my decision. Yeah. I would have vetoed that if I had the power. I wouldn't say he was a crew freshman necessarily. He wasn't super involved, but he just like, right. He was somebody that was starting to get connected to stuff, but also didn't really buy it. Sure. So he was yeah. just kind of, kind of there. Yeah. In any case, he went from the crew party to the quote unquote actual party. The first thing I did was I walked in the door. I opened a beer. I drank like a third of it. And I'm like, I want to die. I met a cute girl. Ah! And I don't know who this is, dude. Oh, yeah, I feel that. <laughs> yeah, I feel that for sure. One hundred percent. No one listening to this podcast gets to know who. Anyway, this is. so we <laughs> show up, dude. I start drinking. This whole story makes more sense. Now. We drank beer and then vodka, and I still love vodka to this day, and. This this crewbie new newbie crew person got incredibly drunk. Crewbie, and he was yeah. I was like, bro, um, are you okay? He's like, yeah, I'm fine. And then like we had to like coddle him and feed him a lot of water, and like well, everyone at yeah. the party was like, oh, random kid who came with friends, you're on the floor. Okay, let's yeah. take care of you. Yeah, well, for some clarity, one, that that young man w- was, and I think I'm pretty sure still is, incredibly destructive as it comes to substance. And I think there's a lot of nature and nurture prior to his time in St. Cloud that plays into that. So that wasn't, I just want to protect your reputation a little bit for the situation, that it was not you like force feeding him alcohol or something like that. Right. He was kind of ready to go as well. And as much as he was ready to go, I put him in that house. Right. Under my guise, me and my friend drove him from the crew party to our party. And uh, as soon as I realized what was happening, I stopped drinking and I tried to take care of him. The next morning, I felt incredibly guilty. We actually ended up driving him back home to his dorm. We handed him off to his roommate and his roommate was like, I have no sympathy for people who do this to themselves. That's about right <laughs> for, for that friend of mine. Yeah. And 
It's funny because I don't either. If, you're, if I'm like, <laughs> dude, if you, and that, that makes sense because that, that guy and I are very similar that way. But like, if you go in and shoot yourself in the foot repeatedly with vodka, yeah, <laughs> then I'll look out for you. I care about you. Also, it's your fault. I'm not going to, oh no, you did a stinky. No, you did this. <laughs> this is your fault. Um, And I ended up sleeping over at the house. Yeah. Because even after we dropped off, the Kruby, I'm like, let's go back and drink more. More. <laughs> and I woke up in the next day. I felt incredibly guilty because I had three thoughts on my mind. I'm going to be kicked off leadership for this. Yep. I have negatively impacted this new person to yep. the ministry. Yep. And I was just seriously drunk for like the first or second time. Out of yep. pure guilt, I cooked breakfast for everybody. Yep. And oh, dude, yeah, <laughs> that was one of the best cooking experiences I've ever had. Well, I guess praise God for that. Yeah, that you enjoyed cooking some food. Um, I remember I had to go to my discipler at the time, Sydney Fry, and I'm like, "Hey, man, this happened," and I talked to the crew head staff man, Adam, and. It was so, so painful. It it was not only painful because I was doing the worship ministry, like it was my job, and then it wasn't. It also then became Sid's job. Yeah. Like it like that burden of responsibility went from me and I dropped the ball. Uh sad as two. Like, ah, uh, people cannot depend on me. And then it got placed on someone else who already had a lot to do. That yeah was so sad. That's brutal. Yeah. <clears throat> and like henceforth, you would think, okay, a lot of bad ramifications. Probably not going to drink again. Of course not. 19. You're, well, you, it, <laughs> it was like, I'm already off crew. Yes. So what a rip, I guess. That's actually, that I remember having that exact thought because I was originally going to lead worship for fall retreat that year. And then they took me off leadership. And I mean, any worship administrative details no longer went to me. And so I think they were still operating under the assumption that I do that. I just didn't pay and I didn't go. And they were just like, uh, throw in, throw in the guy. Yeah. The, the year continued to be characterized by me. Being on leadership, doing crew stuff. Sort of. Sort of. Yeah. As as much as like they would time they would put me in timeout for a few weeks. Like I couldn't do XYZ thing. And then I would get drunk again and it would just continue over and over. And it got to the point where <laughs> come December, I was severely depressed and had the most suicidal ideation I had ever had in my life. Yeah. I um, Mitchell and I were living in this new apartment and it was a difficult season from like December until like March or April even. Yeah. It was just rough because like I knew what was happening and as a, as me and as, as the traits of myself manifest mm -hmm. in three ways, I was like, just don't do that shit. Like just stop. If you hate it, then quit and let me help you. But you were also like, because of the shame complex and because of everything, you were like distancing yourself from me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, 
I'd come home and be like, hey, man. And you'd like look at me and then just not acknowledge me. So I was like angry and hurt and like hurt that I couldn't help and then hurt that you wouldn't even let me if I wanted to. So then I stopped wanting to, which was then tough because when you started to open back up, I was like, huh, frick you, dude. And it was just, it was, it was rough. And we had a really good talk that spring where I was like, what the hell has been happening for the last three months? And it was big for me in a relationship because I actually got to raise a problem with you, which was previous to that point inconceivable to me because I was like, no, if I bring problem, Caleb leave. Caleb leave bad, no no bring problem. I deal with it. <laughs> and and you were like, no, nah, say things. <laughs> and I was like, okay, yeah, what? <laughs> and you were like, yeah, uh, you're right. And we had a really good conversation. I was like, I want to help you. Do you want me to help you? And you're like, not all the time. Like, yes, <laughs> but I don't want it all right. the time. And I'm like, okay, what do I do? And then you were like, have you heard of the Ministry of Presence? And I'm like, heard of it because I suck at it. I'm always like, let me jump in and help you fix the problem by yeah. doing things. Yeah. And you're like, sometimes you just got to sit your ass on the couch and be in the shittiness with me and just be. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, but that's doing nothing. And you're like, that's not. That's not doing nothing. So that was a big part of the conversation for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I think for both of us, it was just like our relationship has grown in like the the big points of development always happen when a previous part of ourselves that we didn't feel like we're good enough to offer to each other, or like weren't mm. worth acknowledging, yeah, yeah, become acknowledged and conversated upon yeah. you know so that that i think was a big thing for me that's a little bit of a side tangent no opinion. and i appreciate that clarity um backing up just a tad yeah so coming out of school in december and then i had a few weeks at home with my parents before i went to winter conference for crew and i remember i'm like <clears throat> i don't like crew i don't like the ministry of crew here at st cloud i don't want to be a part of it so much of the fire I had for being in this ministry was just snuffed and I didn't want to be alive. I didn't, I'm like, once it hits January, we'll see how long I last. And the idea was, is like, I'm going to come home and then I'm going to go to winter conference. I'm going to leave the ministry of crew, whether or not that is selfish or justified is, is the determination of going to winter conference. Yeah. I'm like, I'm resolved. I'm going to, I'm going to book it. I'm going to go to winter conference, see if, 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 if I'm justified in booking it or if I'm not, but I'm going to do it anyway. (laughs) I remember, yeah, I was telling my parents about like my suicidal ideation. And I remember like my dad had such, thinking back on it now, he had a, he had a hard time leaving me at the hotel for winter conference. Oh, I bet. Yeah. He's like, "Uh, are you going to be okay? And I'm like, yeah, probably. I didn't. (laughs) <laughs> worst thing to say to your dad just because he's like i'll be here i can help i can what can i do and you're like yeah i'll probably be fine bye dad yeah that's that's gotta be hard and i didn't want him to buy dad but then as soon as he left i was like i hate being here and i hate everything anyway at winter conference um i met a beautiful man of christ Kyle Blake. Kyle Blake! <laughs> he was being introduced to us. He's like, hey, me and my wife, Krista, just raised a lot of support. We're going to be on your campus. And like his first interaction with us was after the first main session of Winter Conference. And he was in a group of like three of us and him. And the, the, the prompt was like, what do you want God to do with this weekend? 
or not week. I don't know how long winter conference is anymore, but this weekend. time. Yeah. And he's like, I just feel like the Lord is really pressing his thumb down on me and bringing out just dark pieces of my heart and pieces of my faith that I haven't looked at and need to be convicted of. And I'm like, feeling conviction by God's hand? Cool. I wager. Heck you, bro. I, <laughs> I was I was not mad. I was just like, okay, God, you're you're a funny guy. You put this man you're in front man. of me. <laughs> you're a funny man, God. You think you think you're such a funny guy? And I remember I was so like numb and just angry. And I'm like, I want God to I use this language because I meant it and I still mean it sometimes. I want God to crack my skull open and just pour in knowledge and wisdom and understanding as to why crew is meaningful and like how it's being used because through the keyhole of St. Cloud, I don't get it. Yeah. And it's not that I necessarily want to get it, but I... At your boy Mitchell. (laughs) But I I wasn't saying that. I'm saying it, bro. That's, That's me. That's all me. But I'm like, if Kyle can be here and say like, I want God to convict me of things, then I can sit here and be like, I want God to humble me. Yeah. And the, that whole weekend I met, um, a wonderful, wonderful group of people that I would eventually spend a good portion of the summer with. Yeah. And like the Lord completely revitalized my faith and understanding of crew as a ministry. And, this is a little bit tangential to alcohol, but this is all to say that even after I came back and had such revival, I kept drinking. Yeah. I had person on person on person calling me, interacting with me, being like, hey, this is objectively not good for you. And it's like, this hurts you when you go and drink. It's fun for you. And then you wake up the next day and you hate it. Even like Kira and Farhat were like, are you sure you want to drink? And I'm yeah, like, that was a tough part particularly because there was a small amount of subdivision in our four person group mm. because it was like me, Kieran Farhad. Okay. Not saying we were necessarily like, we're fine. Like not that we actually were fine, but like we could handle the trauma of what was happening mm-hmm. in the way that you were not able to, I guess. Yeah. By totally. handle, I mean, I guess weren't as injured visibly by, I'm not quite sure what to say here to quantify this. I would say like it, the the trauma of me drinking and like my how I felt about it, like it was difficult for sure for everyone involved. Yeah. But like they were not necessarily able to stand like we are your brothers and sisters in Christ and know that this is bad for you and like be able to iron sharpen iron me in that way. I think the, the the part that I think is just a a non-advantageous manifestation of one of your spiritual gifts. Mm. Um like my some of my spiritual gifts are like like one of them is like I just care about stuff a lot. Like I'm just super yeah. passionate. Yeah. Now that also makes me like angry and very like temperamental. Mm-hmm. Um that that's but that is just a human flawed manifestation of a very real gift from the Lord about my, my traits. And one of yours is you feel the emotions in the room and you also are a, are you are a thermostat for the emotions in a room. Mm. Like everyone in the room naturally will pick up either whether marginally or super directly will pick up on your state. Yeah. So 
when we're all drinking and stuff, it's great. It's fine. Woohoo. We're all going, yeah, going, going crazy. It's a, it's a good time, quote unquote. And then the next morning you want to die, which is fine, I guess. I mean, it's, it's like, that's an acceptable, valid reaction. And then we're all like, we're just fine. groggy. Yeah. But now we feel like poop because you feel like poop. And so now we want to support you, but we don't know what to do. Yeah. And so it was just tough. So then Kira and Farhad and I were having conversations about like, do we leave Caleb out of these plans? Cause it's mm. hurting him. Yeah. And then I was like, no, because like, that's my guy. Yeah. I don't, don't want to, Oh no. <laughs> so uh, that was, that was also tough. Alcohol caused a lot more divisions than one might expect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah, even with a, core group of friends who cared for me, even with a renewed sense of faith, even with a renewed fire for ministry, I kept getting drunk. Yeah. Marie, Abigail, Kara, other people in my life would be like, yo, this is not good for you. And I'd be like, eh, okay, for sure. For sure. And I hurt them. Yeah. And so that, by the way, just for reference, references the little tangent I went on about 10 minutes ago yeah. about our relationship. Yeah. That, that's where that part ties in. And so like even post-March when Mitchell and I started to repair and build a framework of communication with one another, mm-hmm. I still found myself drawn to being drunk. There was one particular moment where we weren't drinking heavy and this was a little earlier in the year, but was I there for this? I don't know. Okay. I was on the phone with Kara. We were just drinking some wine. Everyone was having casual time. I was not there. And then people came into the house and they're like, hey, we brought the booze. And Kara was like, just promise me you won't get drunk. I think she said something like that. Yeah. Or like, because we both knew it wasn't good. I'm like, yeah, for sure. I hung up and immediately I went downstairs. I'm like, shot o'clock, baby. Let's go. (laughs) Because that party, get together, kickback, was not going to be a hardcore, like, drinking liquor party. Right. I actively instigated, got the contact, paid money to get Newam there and get alcohol there that I would get drunk with. And I remember talking with Sid and Adam about this with crew. I'm like, hey, I drank, got drunk again. And they were like, what happened? Like, concerned. And I'm like, well, it was all my fault. Here's exactly how it was my fault. And I'm taking full responsibility. Kick me off. And they're like... Yeah, but yeah, I mean, you were with people who who also drank and like, it wasn't, and I'm like, no, this is me. I did this. Don't try to take any responsibility off of me. I can take it. (laughs) Good on you, man. For real. Good on you. Because I have nothing but, well, not nothing, but I have a ton of love and respect for both those men. Yeah. And... Like when you told me about that, when it happened and when you told me about it yesterday and when you told me about it right now, I'm like, why, what, why Caleb's literally like coming to you at all. But then also like he's taking responsibility. And I feel like a lot of time, no, no, you know what? Mm, Not gonna, this is not the tangent we're talking about. Good on you, brother. I'm proud that you (laughs) stuck with your integrity despite other sort of forces that may have encouraged you or made you feel like you could have let go of responsibility. Yeah. You stuck with it. And I'm proud of that. I want to cut my story slightly shorter because I've been going on for a while, but yeah, dude, shut up. It came to the point where I got drunk at school and then school ended and I came back to my hometown and I'm like, all right, you know what? People have been saying this is bad. I, this is bad. I'm going to, I'm going to not 
when I'm at home. And I remember working at Starbucks with my good friend and I was telling her all my stories about my fun time being drunk. <laughs> and she, She's like, what, a college freshman at that point? or She was still in high school. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. And she was <laughs> she was loving it. She thought it was hilarious because <laughs> she didn't know that about me. Yeah. She wouldn't expect that from me. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't expect that from her either. Nope. Anyway, I'm not going to implicate her. Definitely. So I was, we were talking about it while we were at work and <laughs> even like the, I remember the floral section, uh, I remember his name, but he was listening too. <laughs> and I didn't necessarily want him to, but the, just the way I speak, he could hear it. Yeah. And he thought it was hilarious. Yeah. And I knew he was listening at one point because I said something and he laughed. And I'm like, are you listening uh, to me? And he's like, of course, Caleb. Caleb. Everyone can uh, hear you. <laughs> Damn, that's tough. <laughs> that's the thing about drunk stories is like when you tell the stories themselves in the events. Yeah. It, they're funny. Yeah. They are funny. They are funny. I've and they're done funny. so much dumb shit while I'm drunk. <laughs> and it's hilarious. I literally have chipped my tooth. My tooth is still chipped. Permanent damage to my body. <laughs> done whilst very intoxicated. Right. It's a funny story. People chuckle. <laughs> People chuckle. And I will chuckle when I'm 50 about this one story that I'll tell later. But right. Like, but also there's like, so like, because it's funny, it's okay. It's just a funny story. Right. Incorrect. Potentially. If any of you listening want to hear my funny stories before I go senile and forget them, ask me. I'm not going to put them out here. No. It would create too much hype around this very negative thing. Also too much tension around this very nuanced subject. Yes. As well. Um, so my friend Logan from high school yeah. texts me, hey, if you're going to come over tonight, can you pick up a bag of ice? And I'm like, <gasps> I can serve. I can serve. I don't want to go. I'm going to get drunk if I go. But I can bring ice. <laughs> and my coworker, as I was leaving, I'm like, tell me that I shouldn't go. Tell me that I shouldn't go. She's like, Caleb, you shouldn't go. And she was so funny about it. I can it. see that in my mind's eye. I can see the like, don't go, dude. Bro, so, don't go. I was go. like, please, please don't do this. <laughs> and then I left and she was like, have fun at your party. And I'm like, okay, I guess I'm getting ice. <laughs> go to the gas station, pick up ice. Damn it. <laughs> go over. And I'm like, we're just, we're just Jay chilling. Yeah. Drinking some, some, some red. Sipping. Some sipping having a good time it was not hard i had no desire to get plastered i was just having fun yeah. with my friends yeah then one of logan's coworkers showed up and then another and he was like where's the booze and i'm like all right are we doing this we're doing this cool made new am root beer floats <sighs> i miss new am root beer floats <laughs> and i was drinking to get drunk and have a good time. I knew my limits. I I tested them this whole last year. And so I was making drinks for people. They thought it was funny. I had big bartender energy. You've seen that. And this kid came by. He was supposed to DD for Brandon. Brandon ended up knowing at the beginning of the night. He's like, yeah, I'm going to have to drive. I'm just going to sit. I'm just going to vibe. Yeah. Because this kid wanted to go toe to toe with me. And I'm like, uh, okay. You will lose. <laughs> I, I didn't I, okay, I didn't think of it as a competition. He thought it was a competition. Oh, and I'm like, okay, sure. Let's go. One to one. And I let him pour my drink. I poured his drink and we just went for it. By the end of the night, he could not stand. Yeah. He literally, we had to carry him, like you said, like a wounded yeah. soldier. Yeah. I'll tell you. Yeah. <laughs> to the car. And like, he's like, hey, where's my hat? And I'm like, it's on your head. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So we're at that level of drunk. This where's my glasses type type thing was like, oh, dude, where's my phone? Let me get, get out their flashlight on their phone to go look for their phone. Yeah. Like that. Like yeah. that. Okay. And... 
the next day, I like I slept in Logan's basement and I woke up the next day and my friend David was like, college has changed you, man. I'm like, Ugh, heartbreak one. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, well, like back in high school, you didn't do this stuff at all. And now like you're, you're, you're just too much of a hype man, dude. I don't, I don't think I can drink with you anymore. Ow. Ow too. Ow too. I was like, sequel. oh, my drunkenness has a negative effect on other people. Just like everyone's been saying for the wow. past, for the past nine months. That's crazy. <laughs> it was in that moment where the Lord really just knocked me on the floor. And he was like, this is how it hurts others. Do you see it? Do you get it now? You physically had to carry your sin, this kid. You had to carry him to the car. Do you get it? And I'm like, "Youch, I get it. I get, I get it. it. I'm God. sorry. <laughs> and then heartbreak number three. I didn't remember I was supposed to go out with my dad that next morning. Yeah. And go get on roofs and do insurance stuff. I'm going to cry. Oh, my God. <laughs> it's okay to cry. I know. And so we were out there. It was a hot summer day. The sun, no clouds, not a whole lot of water. We were sweating through shirts, getting up and down on roofs. It was like the second house. I had his tablet. I was doing some stuff. And I'm like, hey, Dad, I don't think I can do this. And he's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm pretty hungover. I need to go into the car and lie down. He was like, uh, okay. I got more water in the trunk. You can have some. And I'm like, thanks. <sighs> and just to see such mixed emotion from my own father really was cemented where it's like, I'm not going to drink again. As long as I know that this is in my heart and I know and I realize and understand how it negatively affects others. And that's where I sat for a long time. I can jump back into where I am now when we get to your 21st birthday. Okay. For the moment, I'm going to use the bathroom. Okay. That's a banger of a song. Yeah. What if your... Uh, vocalization just doesn't match the music at all. Well, that'll be pretty on brand for me, I guess. <laughs> uh, we decided to split this episode right here because I finished telling my story. It's pretty long. Um, and I wanted to give appropriate space for the listener, uh, whether it be just us in the future or yeah. you on your phone. You listener. You listener. Uh, in any case... Get out of here, you listener. Yeah, get out of here. Go listen to part two um, <laughs> for your convenience. Split in two. Yeah. And just to give respect and space to both Mitchell and I's stories. Yeah, absolutely. In the processing we do. Really interesting and powerful story for you. And mine's also there in, the, in, in part two. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, hope you enjoyed this first part and hope you enjoy the second. And uh, this is how you do a postscript. Postscript. Postscript.